Hi, this is Richard from Short Films Teachers Love, which is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Instant Relevance Podcast. The Instant Relevance Podcast is an educational podcast featuring the latest news and resources to make learning relevant for all students. Follow us on Twitter at InstantRel. Well, we are excited to welcome with us our guest on the Instant Relevance Podcast, Stephen Hurley. Uh, Stephen is the founder, and as he likes to say, the chief catalyst for Voice Ed Radio, uh, which is in Canada, our neighbor to the north. And uh, before starting this podcast and uh, chiefly catalyzing everybody else in the area, he was an educator in Ontario for 30 years. And so we are excited to welcome him here with us to share some of his expertise, to share some of his ideas, to bring on a fellow podcaster with us onto the show. And Stephen, welcome. And I would like to ask you from the start, if you would uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience that got you to where you are now, and then let us know what is it that is just inspiring you now? What is relevant to you now and, and stirring your passion that, uh, you know, when you start talking about education, you start talking about this and you can't let go? Well, um, where, where, where do I begin? Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, an artist, uh, you know, offering viewers a way into a painting but also a way out so let me see if i can do this so i uh tell the story where i fell in love with radio when i was in grade four and uh one thing didn't lead to another i wasn't able to go to radio college i went to university instead uh and uh after a a little bit of uh, a little bit of experience in a in a Roman Catholic seminary, uh, thought I was going to become a Roman Catholic priest at one point, I decided to go into teaching for a variety of reasons, uh, not the least of which was I always wanted to go back uh, in the fall. There was a, a rhythm to, uh, to education, to teaching that, uh, that it really attracted me. So I went into, uh, I kind of fell into schools, and but as soon as I walked into my first classroom, I kind of fell in love with the whole sense of the possibility of what of what was going to happen there and that is really what motivated me for 30 years uh to the point where every spring i used to uh, write a proposal well not every spring most springs i i would write a proposal send it off to the superintendent or director of education uh proposing a job uh because i just saw so many things to do within the profession uh and uh, most often I would get that job. So 10 years of my 30 years, I spent doing things uh, that, that really didn't exist before. And, and that was kind of a, a really neat uh, feature of my 30 years. So I retired as arts consultant, uh, but I also retired into uh, doing some work across Canada, uh, trying to mobilize and facilitate conversations about things that we weren't yet talking about about change, uh, about what was standing in the way of change. Um, in that work, realized that, uh, that, that some of our conversations outside of schools were very polarized, and that concerned me. Uh, so voiced.ca started 
in February of 2011 as a multi-author blog space, trying to get some of that conversation uh, out in the open. Uh, and two years ago, two years ago this week, uh, Boys Ed Radio uh, began. Uh, and so I brought together that love of radio that, uh, you know, that started when I was in grade four. Uh, and the 30 years of conversations that I had had in between brought it all together. And uh, we are now a community of, uh, of live broadcasts, over 87 podcasts in our network and bloggers. And, and I guess, you know, to, your, your question is, is a fascinating one. What's, what's exciting me? What's motivating me now? I guess it's that, um, that sense that we are starting to have conversations in this space and elsewhere that we've never had before. Uh, so technology has allowed us to bring together voices uh, to not only amplify the familiar conversations and things that we're comfortable about and comfortable with, but also start to dig in between those conversations to those spaces where maybe we're a little uncomfortable and people are starting to want to talk about those things. And uh, that that really gets me up in the morning. Uh, I'm an early riser, so that means four o'clock in the morning. And I start each day with excited about that, reaching out to people and, and talking to people like you do. Uh, and that's kind of what makes me tick these days. It seems like you've done so much in education. And first of all, I want to make sure and do the shameless plug that the Instant Relevance podcast is now a part of voiced.ca. And we're excited here in a couple of days, even though this will be released later. Here in a couple of days, we'll be launching season two of our podcast on voiced.ca, so we're very excited. Um, I want to go back to something you said about having conversations we never had before. So could you maybe just expand upon that? Like, what? Because you've been in education for a while, and for you to say conversations we've never had before, I'm really interested in, you know, you mentioned ed tech a little bit, um, but what are those conversations that are coming up today? And, you know, how is education changing around those conversations? Well, I think, I think there are a number of them and just, just to highlight a couple, and it's not that we never had them. We've had them inside our heads. We've had them around the dinner table, but uh, to officially bring them out into the open and, and, you know, the metaphor of elephants in the room, I think is is still uh, valid. I'm not sure where that metaphor came from, but I'll use it. Uh, so uh, conversations about things like uh, inclusive classrooms and what that means. I mean, who doesn't want an inclusive classroom? But what does it mean? What do we need to push back on uh, if we're going to make that vision work? Uh, what are some of the assumptions that we need to bring out into the open and really uh, in a critical way, interrogate and uh, and make really visible. Uh, so it, the whole idea of special education in education uh, is is an important one. Uh, here in Canada, we are we are grappling with, literally grappling with, uh, our relationship with our indigenous uh, communities, and what does that mean for public education? Uh, the questions around funding, questions around the vision of, of education in a society and in a culture where technology has not displaced, but has enabled us to do many of the things that, you know, schools were, uh, were designed to do. Uh, and we're able to do that outside of school now. And so I think we really need to 
um, to grapple also with our identity. And I believe that education, public education in particular, uh, all around the world is is in a bit of an identity crisis. So those are those are three three areas that uh, I think people uh, and it's not only educators weighing in on them. It's you know policymakers, researchers are are really starting to. Um, we're starting to bridge that gap between uh, research and and practice, and uh, you know people say, well, that's kind of you just want to talk. Well, no, I think uh, talking in a different way is is a bit of the theory. Well, it's a whole lot of the theory of action of what we do at Voice Ed Radio, uh, and we believe that if we uh, if we change the way we talk about education and have these conversations, then change will will occur. So to go back to what you originally said about uh, what's inspiring you, uh, I, I think you came up for a title for your book whenever that comes out, since I just invented you having a book. Um, I think uh, it's, it should be titled Inspire. Uh, you really kind of said that uh, that 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 shake up in the middle of those spaces is what's inspiring you to know that those things are happening. And I don't know uh, how much time you've spent talking to math educators or how much you've seen uh, recently in the math education space. But one of the things that we've been focusing on uh, instead of just, you know, memorization and replication of sets of skills is the idea of uh, a productive struggle with our students, letting mm -hmm. our students uh, engage with a problem without having all of the tools available right away, just to be able to struggle with it to the point that their learning gets uh, challenged and that they might need a new piece of information or a new concept in order to continue to grow and learn. But that struggle is the thing that helps them grow and desire to learn and continue to learn. And it's just like <clears throat> I coached track for 12 years. And when you're coaching athletics, you're looking at what it takes to make students, student athletes stronger or faster or more, more skill qualified. And they need to struggle through lifting slightly heavier weights for periods of time until they can then master that and lift something slightly heavier. Or they need to work on, on balancing so that their balance becomes more, uh, more stable. And in the same way that productive struggle needs to happen in our math classrooms. And that's something that we need to translate over into the educator conversation. Like what's productive struggle look like to educators who need to, to change uh, their education space? What does it mean to allow teachers to productively struggle with a new technology or to allow them to struggle with an idea or an ideology that's coming into their school system about assessment or about learning? Uh, they need to struggle through the learning process in order to learn best the concept behind it. And uh, it cycles back into the last part, which was when you talked about having those conversations, like, do we just want to talk? Well, you know what? Well, I spend workshop after workshop teaching teachers how to foster discourse in their math classroom. Yeah, we want to talk. We want to be able to have conversations that can then open our minds to new ideas that can deepen our understanding of concepts. And what you're talking about in an education space in Canada and here in the U.S. is something that is uh, being replicated in our classrooms, but not necessarily being noticed as something that, that we as educators need to accomplish as well. Well, I, lo I love this conversation. And I love the fact that you've uh, grounded it in math. Uh, you know, I think, I think math is one of those um, uh, touchstone 
ideas, disciplines. Uh, people love to wrap. Uh, well, math has actually become a proxy for success of an education system. And we love to talk about it. And we love to uh, talk in polarized ways about it. You know, I say we, we dance around the poles. So you're either a traditional math educator or you're a progressive math educator. You either uh, agree with uh, kids memorizing multiplication tables or you want them to discover everything. But well, that's not that's not the way it happens. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know of a pure discovery math class. I don't know. I, you know, I struggled to create one a few, a few times, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's difficult, but, but I think you're right. And I, I you know, Robert Cragen out of uh, the university of Manitoba, uh, who, who is vilified by a lot of people because he does advocate for some strong math skills in, in, um, in terms of math education, uh, he talks about, uh, you know, the concept of learning and our ideas around learning being descriptive and prescriptive. Uh, and I think what you've described there, Dennis, is when we when we're truly learning, uh, we are struggling and it, learning is the result of struggle. Uh, and I don't think we learn without that struggle. So I think one question that I have is how can we make our classrooms uh, sites for that struggle more often. Uh, and, and I think we have a long way to go. Uh, and, you know, I, I think back on my own uh, education and there were days, there were years that I did struggle. I didn't know that it was part of the learning process. I just thought I was having trouble. Um, and I don't know that my teachers had that same sense of, you know, the importance of that. Some did, but not all. Um, but I think we're, I think we're getting to the point where we, we are more explicit about that, uh, and we are more intentional about it. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think that your question about how do we bring in that type of struggle into the math classroom, um, or any classroom, to be honest, uh, is a good one because, you know, I work with a lot of teachers now. I'm a kid, eight math instructional coach. And every single one of them, kindergarten to eighth grade, will talk about the stamina. You know, kids can't do as much math these days as they used to, or, you know, they need to be able to um, be able to really put their nose to the grindstone. And, uh, you know, but the question is, is what are we doing in our classes to foster that? And what I've really kind of stumbled upon is a really great learning product that we're implementing and trialing in our classrooms that actually builds upon that productive struggle in a game-based environment based on neuroscience. And uh, so that's where, you know, technology can come in um, and kind of help fill that gap because, like you said, you know, a peer discovery math classroom can be something that's really hard to do. Um, and, you know, we, we know the result of kind of a peer kind of procedural uh, rote math classroom as well. And the research really shows that, you know, it's both. It has to be both. Um, and you throw some productive struggle in there as well. And uh, you're talking about putting a lot on a teacher to be able to do on their own, um, especially when, you know, a lot of these things are rooted in like deep, deep science that, you know, it takes years for to be able to research and be able to find the answers to. Um, but one thing, um, you know, kind of on the idea of pr productive struggle, uh, both something that you and Dennis said was kind of going into the world of professional learning with teachers. And I like what Dennis said about if we want learning to involve productive struggle for our students, then we have to understand that learning involves some productive struggle for ourselves as well as educators. 
And, um, you know, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow for someone who's so busy as a teacher, not being kind of, you know, handheld and given the information that they need because, you know, teachers don't have time for a lot of that productive struggle. But my question to you, you know, you live in this world of kind of professional learning now um, with Voice Ed Radio and you're uh, doing a great job of, uh, you know, getting educator voices out uh, to help uh, other educators know that they're not alone and then also um, have other educators, uh, you know, teach other educators as well. You know, you kind of mentioned, I think, uh, a little bit of pushback. Um, have you had any pushback with someone saying like, oh, you're just talking? Or um, my biggest thing is there's so many voices out there that do you have any um, pushback of people saying, oh, you know, you're not the expert or, you know. Uh... Well, I haven't had that type of uh, pushback. The pushback that uh, and I've only had a little bit of, of it when you commit to getting a lot of voices out there and getting voices that might make some people feel uncomfortable. I've had a bit of pushback around that uh, in a critical sense. You know, why are you giving that person a platform? Uh, they don't agree with us type of thing, or we know, we know where they stand when in fact, once you get them on for an hour, uh, you realize that you don't know where they stand and they stand uh, in fact, not that far from where you stand. Uh, so I think I think the the only pushback that I've received really has been uh, whose voice should be heard and whose voices should be amplified. And you know when you deal with something as critical as a public education system, I think you have to commit to uh, going out and intentionally finding voices that you might not normally hear. So people talk about the bubble and people talk about the filters uh, that social media in particular uh, present to us and, and uh, the algorithms. Uh, part of our work uh, and about 35% of my day is spent uh, reading things that I wouldn't normally read uh, and interacting with people that I probably wouldn't normally interact with. But, you know, I feel committed to, to trying to, to get the voices here that will allow us to be challenged uh even if it's only being able to solidify and make more explicit our position i think that's that's important and uh um so in terms of the question around pushback i think people have welcomed the opportunity to to come on to voice ed radio and to be part of the conversation uh and i i haven't yet got to the point where where we're like talk radio, where people are yelling at their radios while they're listening. <laughs> I mean, that's a dream, but uh, we're not there yet. So, but, but I think that I think that points to the fact that I don't want to say we've been asleep, but I don't think we've had the opportunity to really listen to the space in between. So I think I think uh, people are quite comfortable in their positions and with their positions, and. I, I want I want people to be uh, yelling at uh, their voice ed radio <laughs> and saying I don't agree with that. I want people to become passionate about this. And I think it's you know it's we don't always have to start at the edges and at the poles. I think we can we can start in the middle and uh, and work outwards in our conversation. And I and I don't want to convert anyone. I don't th and I hope other people don't want to convert uh, people. I want my conservative friends to be 
conservative. <laughs> I want my liberal friends to be liberal. I want authenticity, but I want integrity in, in those conversations. So what you point out to me is, uh, is something I heard a little while back in one of my, the districts I was working with, there was a, uh, a focus on mindfulness in the classroom and, uh, and for teachers as well. And uh, you talked about, you know, that space, the space that we need as educators. Uh, there's, there's space in between what we know and what we do and what, and there's room in those room, in that space of discomfort for conversation. And it brings to me uh, a quote by Viktor Frankl, which you may have heard in the past or across the education community now, which uh, is this. And that quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I think that that kind of sums up to me as well as educators. Uh, to open that space up, whether it's how we respond to a student who's uh, who is either creative or approaching something differently, how we respond to administrators or colleagues who have different ideas, and how we respond to ourselves when we're not happy with our what we've been doing, or we're not happy with ourselves, or even when we're excited about something we've done. Like think about that space and give it the value that it deserves. Because if in that space, uh, that's the place where our growth lies, then we need to focus on that to to grow as educators. And I think you've given us a lot to think about uh, as an educator with a great perspective and a broad reach, and who's heard a lot of conversations. And so I thank you for for joining us for this podcast today. And I would love our listeners to know uh, the best way. Way to get in touch with you, to contact you, or at least to find you and to find more about uh, these great conversations you're having. Can you share that with us? So we're at VoiceEd, which is voiced, V-O-I-C-E-D dot C-A, uh, although there is a Little League baseball team in Milton, Ontario, uh, with two E's in that name, because we sponsored them the first year. Uh, and uh, my contact information is there. That's kind of where I live and breathe these days. I'm also on uh, Twitter at Stephen with a PH uh, underscore Hurley. So Stephen underscore Hurley. And I would welcome anyone that wants to uh, become part of these conversations, either as a guest or if you have a dream of being a, a podcaster or a live broadcaster, we do live broadcasts as well, uh, to reach out, get in touch with us. And uh, and we would love to, uh, to expand uh, this space. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that word. I love that word space. All right, Stephen, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, and uh, we look forward to being a part of uh, Voice Ed Canada. Our newest, our newest members, and thanks for, thanks for this. I, I don't usually get asked on podcasts, so this is a very, very uh, special evening for me. Thank you. Well, excellent to have you. Thanks again. Thanks.